Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello and welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi. Ooh, I love that name! <laughs> I know, I have to work it into many Someone conversations Someone has now. a new name! Sure, and so you are... Tiffany Pearsall. Just plain old Tiffany Pearsall. No new name. No new name. Although I did, um, on Monday, I started parting my hair on the other side. <laughs> so that's a change. I look so different. Of almost equal importance <laughs> as having gotten married two weeks totally ago. Totally the same. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so the husband's Have out of town. Have you been able to talk about the wedding on the show yet? I don't no. know who you have and have not recorded with. No, I recorded so- with Lisa, and that's all. We just talked about the name change. Well, give us a little breakdown. <laughs> How'd it go? You well, want to- so the wedding was in my living room, our living room. On a Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And Steve's best friend since high school, Brian, officiated. Uh Uh-huh. And I was really, after the initial conversation with them on Thursday, Uh I was really worried that they were both going to be sobbing and I was going to be standing there (laughs) waiting for them to get their stuff together. (laughs) Oh, But they did not. They handled themselves very well. It was mm-hmm. nice. It was just, it was just, so it was just Steve and I and Brian and his wife were there and my mm-hmm. two kids and Josie's girlfriend mm-hmm. were there and yeah. my brother. Yeah. And one of my best friends was like the photographer. And it yeah. Was in and out and out for supper. Oh, what did you guys go for supper? Um, This little restaurant in town where old people go, but also Steve and I go there a lot. So we Excellent. decided that would be the wedding dinner place. And uh, I had loaded bacon cheddar fries for yeah. my wedding dinner. <laughs> yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Then we came that home. That sounds and, like my kind of wedding. You know, watched a movie and played played games with the kids. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was fun. It was a good, it was exactly my way to do it. So. Yeah. Thanks for Forgive asking. the background. Guy really wants to put these shoes on himself. Well. So I'm not. I want you to know I'm not, like, ignoring my child right, in the background. Right. I've he got her on camera, equally folks. equally as stubborn as I. <laughs> yeah, you got it off. Look, so, you got it. So Tiffany and I uh-huh. are going to talk about children who sometimes have difficulty with play. Uh-huh. I hear him. And All right. guys in the background yeah, currently so having difficulty. Having some difficulty playing. So let's Just put it on. <laughs> the quote... Uh-huh. It's from an article uh, called When a Child Doesn't Play by Glenna Zeke, and it was published in Child Care Information Exchange. Okay. Um, when was it published? January, February 2015. So here's our okay. starting quote. Play is the way children learn. However, not all children know how to play, and not all children develop these skills in play experiences. And the skills she's talking about are things like Imagining, planning, engaging, reflecting, pretending. That you know, kind of stuff. Play, play Play stuff. So. Play stuff. 
So th- this is what I what I chose because one, um, I just needed to choose something quick because uh, I wanted to make sure we could record while you had some time. But yeah. also, um, it's it's come up a lot in conversation at work for me lately. Um, in the preschool where I'm working, we have a couple who are either solitary players or mm-hmm. use some sort of um, not very effective ways to try and join in play with other children. Okay. So I was so I was reading this already to try and help really to try and help the other adults who are working with me in the preschool. Um, right, right. Help those children. But um but you said you have you have feelings. I have feelings so because your... the whole tone of this article makes me very angry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that what you expected me to say? Um, I don't know that I expected. I, I, what were, what were, yeah. Well, tell me why. No, talk about why. The thing that frustrates me the most about the tone of this whole article Uh is that there's this idea that kids either can play or they can't play. Uh And it, it, it labels children who maybe don't have all of the skills of their typical peers Mm -hmm. as not able to play as like deficient. Gotcha. So it's a, yeah, it's a tone thing that I really struggle with. Although I like all the suggestions about like, how do you support kids when they don't play? But they were coming at it from more of a, like, how do you support kids that don't play in the way you think they should play? Right. So that's where I was going to go with it next. Okay. With, with you was, so first of all, let's just talk about this idea of kids who can't play. Cause I also just started a book called when play isn't easy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I like that a little bit better than thinking about when a child doesn't play in terms of whether we need to respond or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I can just tell you in, in the context that I've been thinking about it, um, in, in my preschool class right now, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a language-based preschool for, so we have the majority of the kids in our preschool have an identified speech or language disorder or need that, that, that we're providing early intervention for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the context of children playing or not playing comes into it in, um, uh, well, how is their language affecting their ability to join in play when they want to join in play? Right, which right. I think is a little bit different than some of the things that this article was talk. We're talking about were like j- children who just wander, or children yeah. who kind of stand off and watch, or um, oh, there was another aloof, um, aloof, rejected, anxious. There's a label on every. Yeah, on every child in this article. So, so I agree with you. the The suggestions are all things that could potentially be helpful for a child, but going at it from there's a deficit with this child that we need to fix right? was instead was of looking at it as a continuum, like this is kind of the order that people develop their social skills to a point where we as adults see them as understanding how to play all the way whatever the f that is (laughs) but it it this article totally denied that that is a progression Uh uh-huh and it it viewed things as you either can or you can't so like can i read this dabbler one to you dabblers like bethany 
Leah and Dylan, Jacob announces his basic play plan. He was going to the water table to play in the water. Although he goes to the center as planned, he does not appear fully engaged in the play experience. As he fills the small dump truck with water, scooping it up with a cup and then dumping again, his action seems repetitious. His eyes are neither on the toys nor the actions, and he appears to be watching the other children. Jacob is a dabbler. Mm-hmm. No! <laughs> That's not what Jacob is. Yeah, okay, so what is Jacob? Jacob is an onlooker. Uh-huh. He's in the onlooker stage of play where you're not only learning about what the tools are that you have at your, in your play tool belt, but you're also playing by watching others play. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, so and when I looked at this, it says he does not appear fully engaged in the play experience, and that's... But he's by, watching the whole thing! By whose definition, right? Like, he's yeah. not... Um, he's maybe not doing what... Ah, I planned. Oh, here. Oh. Someone is here. I'm going to pause. Hold on, everyone. So Jacob may not have been using the water table in the way that this teacher had planned it when she set it all out or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever her activity plan said. Mm -hmm. But he's he's doing what he needs to do at that moment. Like, Mm -hmm. he's playing with the water. Just yeah. because he's not looking at the water, does that mean that it's not play? You know, does that mean he's not really engaged like he should be? Yeah. Maybe he's curious and, about how other people are using the water. Yeah. And this is, the 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 scene is like a totally normal play scene to me. Mm-hmm. And then the support that is suggested, Jacob was eager to play at the water table, but his interest quickly subsided when he became distracted by the activities of other children. If he's intently watching and pouring back and forth, what about that's as distracted to you? Right. And and what about the skill of being able to do it without looking? Yeah. <laughs> he's having a successful play experience as far as yes. I'm concerned. I, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So then in the supporting the dabbler section, he says dabblers often exhibit attention deficit behaviors, unable to focus on a task for long periods of time. Which is, I guess, the first part of the sentence that you just just looked at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is this is another conversation that I've been having with with someone recently who wants to know how to um, basically how to teach a preschooler to pay attention for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. And the, it comes back to for what and for why, and you know, yeah, Lisa's don't three be questions. boring. Would be my first. Yeah, suggestion. yeah. If you want him to pay closer attention, let him pick what he's paying attention to. Yeah. Um, because trying to force a child into a play experience that you've planned, that you have goals for, that they're not paying attention mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. and you're trying tricks and strategies to keep them paying attention, you're actually probably teaching him not to pay <laughs> Like, you're probably exactly. actually interfering with that goal yes! of getting them Completely. to pay closer attention. And this listening to this supporting the dabbler section. Uh-huh. Makes me wonder how often teachers see totally normal development as wrong Mm -hmm. or as deficient because they don't have the child development knowledge to say like, oh, look, look at his awesome associative play. (laughs) Now I know that he's in the associative play category. I'm going to like watch him specifically for that and support him where he is instead of saying like, he's five, he should be able to play on a more complex level right 
The checklist uh, says sustain attention for pe- greater periods of time, so he right? should be. And I'm like, he is sustaining his attention. Yeah. He's watching him the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So this goes back to uh, so so Lisa and I just talked about block play, and, mm-hmm. and recorded a couple of episodes about block play. Yeah, and we talked about the stages of block play. Yeah, and um, oh, look at that! She's got a book. Tiffany's holding a book up to the. To it's the called camera. the design of childhood. Oh my God. And it's how the material world shapes independent kids. And the first section was on block play. Uh, and it's got that lovely crinkly library binding. Yeah, because oh it's a library God, book. God, I love that so much. Okay, so the design <laughs> of childhood, writing it down. Um, but that's uh-huh. exactly the kind of thing that we talked about was if you don't understand the stages of block play, then mm-hmm. you're going to see the kid who just carries and transports as deficient. Compared to the kid who builds tall structures. When your job is to understand those stages. Mm -hmm. And and it's the same thing with play. And and that's when I first read this article three years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, there's baby guy looking at us in the (laughs) camera. When I first read the article three years ago, I thought, oh, this is really helpful. This is really good. Um, But where I am now, I thought... um, not so much like this is this is a yeah. teacher who has inex- inappropriate expectations yeah but is, is this a good building block or like a good bridge for that teacher it could is this be how you start to change that mindset yeah. from like you either can play or can't play to actually supporting them where they are right like is this the thing that might make somebody more curious and learn more i think it could at be. which point definitely read this depending yeah oh i'm not dogging on the article because like i said there or like you said there are some good suggestions in it for helping some children and some children do want to join play and have these like they might be right watching and dabbling because they don't know how to say to another kid i want to play with you or yeah and some kids do get rejected early by uh, by their peers because of you know there's there's one guy one little guy that i used to work with who, mm-hmm. um, of course, everybody wanted to slap a label on him right away. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was three years old and they already thought he was autistic and ADHD and a number of other things. But but, but he would – guy's nodding with me. <laughs> <laughs> but he would um, try to get into a group uh-huh. um, by just bursting in and pushing things down or throwing a toy in that child's direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But after observation, we decided he wasn't being disruptive. He was, he didn't know how to get attention and get to where he wanted to be. So he needed something very different from me. Um, And the other children needed me then too. Right. To help negotiate that because then the little boy got, this little preschool <laughs> reputation as right? being the scary kid or whatever. I don't like him. He's mean. Yeah. It's like, I, he's three. I, right, I don't think he's you... mean. Yeah. So, I, you know, then, I, then I'm just saying things like, oh, it looks like Gabe wants to play with you. Right. Or. Um, and how do you, but at the same time, how do you model all of the things we're learning about consent? Along with that. Right. Well, it's, like, yeah. He doesn't so need it, to just barge in and do whatever he wants and we say, okay, like, exactly. how do we navigate that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, like so many things, it's sort of trying to be the translator, 
I mm-hmm. think then. Mm-hmm. I think Gabe wanted to play with you. What do you think? Are yeah. You, would yeah. You, what is there something Gabe can do in your game? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And if it's no, then I say they don't want to play right now. Yeah. And and we move on because you're right. Consent is part of the conversation too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think, guy? What's your opinion? Guy has lots of feelings. What do you think, guy? no one's talking Um, so the other thing that this made me think about was there's been a lot of talk lately about adults being extroverts or introverts and maybe being introverts isn't a bad thing that it's been labeled and there's value and how do we how do we make workplaces more inclusive for people who are introverts and classrooms and so I love talking to introvert teachers Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's a, you know, they often feel like the classroom structure itself isn't designed to be sustainable for them. Uh-huh. Well, and I yeah. have definitely, um, I always call myself an introvert. I don't think I probably really am. But I am someone who sometimes needs to hang around on the outskirts and watch before I join in. Yeah. Or I need to sometimes make sure my dignity is going to be safe in this group if I join in. Yeah. Or if I spend a whole day in a group, I definitely need some time by myself. Totally. And, and so maybe some of these things that we're labeling as play deficits are just an introverted human being mm-hmm. processing information the way that they need to process it. Yeah. And it doesn't need our intervention then. Yes. And I think as a mindset, we need to start embracing radical acceptance. Ooh. What does that mean? Um, Radical Acceptance is a book by Tara Bratch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Shout out to my friend Laura, who loves her. I love this book. Yeah. Guy has mixed feelings. It's, like. um, it's called the radical acceptance. You have to like accept everyone for exactly who they are and where they are mm-hmm. before you can support them. Uh-huh. That and seems I think pretty that basic. But it seems pretty basic. It's not. Why is that like completely against what it's supposed to mean to be a teacher? Yeah. Right. Right. I'm here fill you with knowledge and ideas because I know all the things and you're a blank slate. (laughs) Like, yeah. But what if instead the idea was, I see you. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge you. I'm here to help. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh, boy, that just goes again. It comes down to why are you a teacher? Yeah. Like if you're a teacher. Back to that. I don't know, but. If you're a teacher because, or I'm going to change my language a little bit. If I'm working with young children, yeah, because I understand young children, and that's where I want to be, then radical acceptance is not that radical. Yeah. Because that's just what we're doing. We're there because we understand what's going on. If I am working with young children because I like the way they make me feel, they do mm-hmm. cute things, and they hug me. And um, I have this calling to be a teacher because I always liked to play school when I was a kid. Right. Then that's a very different thing. Then we're going to accept the ones who fit our own personal narrative. And we're going to have to really work on the ones who don't. 
And that's where mm-hmm. that deficit model comes in. Yeah. And uh, and if you view a child as having a deficit before you even know them, what? <laughs> and if you're if you're attributing a deficit to something as fundamental and basic as play, yes, <laughs> then you yes. are inventing trouble for yourself. You are borrowing yes. trouble, as my friend Jenny likes to say, <laughs> uh, where there is not really any trouble. Sorry, so I had the to answer, occupy the toddler. That's all right. So the answer to the question, what do we do when play is hard for a child is? Support them. Support them. Yeah. <laughs> know them. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that there is, we can't ignore the other side of this, right? Uh-huh. Which is that sometimes a child needs to develop a different part of either their communication skills or their physical skills, like proprioceptor stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, those are the two major ones that come up a lot, where they're trying to play it a certain way, but they're missing a piece, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I want to join, just like that boy you were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. he wants to join, he doesn't have the language piece yet. Mm -hmm. So, like, his ability to play is being held back, he wants to play in a certain way, and he can't express it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a different thing than you can't play. You don't know how to you play. You don't know how to play, yeah. It, it's like, as a teacher, let me help you with these communication skills so that you can play at the level you are trying to play. Right. So so in that vein, then, um, and back to where I am today in this job mm. with the, few, you know, the, the ones in my class who are sort of wanting to join and having... Uh, problems with that mm-hmm. um, is I had been thinking in terms of um, inviting him to join others play or coaching him when he expresses an interest in wanting to join or you know even mm-hmm. going back to my story about the other uh, the little boy that I used to work with uh, Gabe uh, which is a fake name um, uh, trying to kind of disruptively get in on a play situation Right, and and I'm talking about coaching him through that, and and having those consent kinds of modeling and coaching. But what really I should be doing, if I have that concern, and I know that this is something the child needs from me or wants mm-hmm. from me, mm-hmm. is waiting until he's engaged in some sort of play, and then inviting a couple other people to join us. Instead, yeah. of, instead of trying to coach him to join other people's groups, let him have some some success being joined yeah. by other kids. Yeah. Um, and and then that ch- the pressure's off. It, this the one who's already struggling doesn't have to struggle more, and I don't have to coach and and ma- yeah. manage a whole group. I just find a situation where he's already having some success. Mm-hmm. Invite a couple kids who are close by who might want to join us in whatever we're doing mm-hmm. and, and let them all experience, you know, for the children who are rejected too. Yeah. Because of, because of their, um, ways of trying to play, mm-hmm. get some positive experience. And, and mm-hmm. I'm showing the other kids that it's okay to play with them. So, so it just, <laughs> it was like just backwards yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and I, and I had to remember to flip flop it. And not right? make it so hard. It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, that was a ramble. Sorry. I hope that made sense. No, I'm taking notes over here. It doesn't <laughs> have to be hard. 
And I think that's another thing that um, the adult lens brings in, that, like, mm-hmm. to be teaching, we need to be struggling. Right. There, it needs to be difficult or we're not really right? doing work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, when it is easy and when it happens naturally, it's like, well, clearly I did something wrong as uh-huh. a teacher. It's supposed to be hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or if your way of measuring your success as a teacher is that everything runs smoothly... Mm-hmm. and there's never a challenge, then, of course, the challenges you're going to take personally. And mm-hmm. you don't have to do that. Just by understanding development. Oh, we're switching out of glasses and into sunglasses. We're, we're taking off glasses. Oh. My glasses fit him quite nicely. I see that. I'm sorry, sorry to be the folks who are taller. listening who can't see this this video of Tiffany's toddler. He just loves shoving glasses in my face. Sure. he thinks sunglasses are funny this is going to be the most compelling episode yet oh definitely just the play-by-play of me watching you play Uh, i like to think that our little our little uh what's it called when you like take a side journey bye bye Um, a distraction (laughs) (laughs) a little distractions give people a time to like catch up yeah. You know, yeah. like let them process and have independent thoughts. That's what's happening. Gotcha. Okay. When I was a young one uh-huh. and involved in Bible study groups, uh-huh. I called it rabbit chasing. Rabbit chasing? <laughs> when we got off the track and chased off, chased a rabbit off the path. Yeah, rabbit chasing. There, so we just were rabbit Doing chasing. Good rabbit chasing. Yeah. yeah. So um, it sounds like he needs you now. Oh, you know. Got any last thoughts about any last isn't thoughts. easy when a child doesn't play? Here's the other thing. I, th- I hear a lot of lamenting now from people who are like, well, kids today, they just don't know how to play anymore because they've been so overstructured and they are on phones all the time. And those things may are true. Kids are overstructured and maybe the, and they are spending too much time on screens for my comfort. Yeah. But but do you see children who just don't know how to play? Or is it we don't see their play, do you think? Like, I have not I seen a child who doesn't know how to play. Agreed. But, uh, I, but I hear that a lot. It might be that a child doesn't know how to independently choose what they play. Uh-huh. It might be that a child does like is never given this much freedom. And so when presented with freedom, they haven't figured out how to navigate that it's yet. It's overwhelming for them. Yeah. 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 Or they've never been... This is me. Oh, hang on a second. Okay. Hey, dude. What's the fish? I'm ready. And we're back. Okay. <laughs> Guy closed the door to go outside, and he was very upset, and I couldn't figure out why, and it was because he closed the door, and he wanted to be outside. <laughs> um, so when I was a kid, I didn't ever play with other children. My first day of preschool was the first day I had met more than a child one-on-one, it was terrifying. Oh. I knew how to play independently by myself for hours. Oh, yeah. Like other children, I just hadn't ever been exposed to it. So it was like, what? <laughs> uh, and I think about that a lot when I hear people talk about kids that don't know how to play. And it's not how to play in this environment. They don't oh. know how to play with this many kids. They don't know how to play when it's this loud. They don't know how to play without an adult guiding them the whole time, you know? So uh-huh. it, it's, and that's like the point of school, right? Is to give you new experiences. <laughs> so 
why do we see these kids as, you know, being deficient in play when really it's like they should be given new experiences? Right. That is kind of the point of this. Right, right, right. <laughs> so like how you learn. They're learning. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And if we look at it on a continuum and from a de- developmental perspective, instead of looking for a final product, yes. then it's easier to manage those kinds of things. Absolutely. All right. So we've settled it. We've solved it. That's Of course. That's how every episode ends, right? We've settled it and we've solved it and it's over. We fixed all the world's problems that just was, right now. And so fast. We're so efficient this time. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're only at a half an hour. Incredible. All right. Well, we did it again. Um, we lucky, lucky listeners. <laughs> Well, thank you, Tiffany, for talking to me about this. Thank you, Heather, for inviting me along for the journey. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. And come back again for another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. Goodbye. Bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.